I'd like to say Happy Mother's Day to everybody. I know it's been said before, but I want to say it again. And um, It's a great time, it's a great day to reflect on the sacrifice and the influence that our mothers had in our lives. But I also want us to reflect on spiritual mothers that God gives us. Women in our lives that have made an impact and have come alongside us and poured their lives into ours. You know, I remember Jesus said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? It's he who does the will of God, who is my mother, brothers and sisters. So on this day where we recognize our moms who have cared for us and nourished us and fed us and bring us up into the ways of God, or even those maybe who didn't have moms who were saved that just tried their hardest and sacrificed and gave all they had for us. I would like to recognize the young ladies and older women that have poured their lives into other people's lives and have made an impact as a spiritual mother. So on this day, I'd also like to recognize them as well. I reflect on my mom while I was a child and even though I really wasn't raised up in a Christian home and taught biblical principles and values, I was taught to fear God. My mother taught me to be a good man and to be a man of my word, to work hard. She used to tell me, you're a Masaro. And when you go out of this house and you go to school and you go to work and whatever you do, remember you're my son and that I've taught you what is right in life. And I've brought you up to work hard and be the man that God calls you to be. And I can't help but think about how much more so, as children of the living God, should we live out our lives? How much more so should we, as we live each day of our lives, be ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, I remember it was so important to my mom that I was a reflection of what she brought me up to be. How much more so for the God who gave his son to die on a cross for me, that I should live each day in my life and be a representative of him who gave the best that he had, his only son. Please open your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. You'll find that on page uh, 1388 in the Pew Bible. Page 1388. This morning I want to start by looking at this passage of Scripture before us, in which, in which the Apostle Paul establishes the doctrinal teaching of sanctification. As we look at this passage of scripture this morning, you will notice the tone, the passion, and the force by which the Apostle Paul will declare to us this doctrinal truth in which we are to live out our Christian lives. The title of this morning's message is Walking in the Spirit and in the Power of the Resurrection. In this powerful book of Galatians, the apostle is teaching us that we who have been justified by faith must now live by faith and pursue holiness in our lives. These verses, which we will look at, will speak directly on how we are to live the Christian life in light of the gospel and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our salvation. This morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I will be focusing on one verse, verse 16, walking by the Spirit. We read in Galatians 5 these divinely inspired words from God, from the Apostle Paul. So I'd like you to please stand, if you're able, for the reading of the Word of God. Galatians 5. Verses 16 through 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. 
For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. You may be seated. Thank you. My first point in your outline, which is provided in your church bulletin, is the overarching supremacy of the Holy Spirit in our spiritual growth as believers in Christ. If we are honest with ourselves, each one of us who desire in their hearts to honor and please the Lord every day of our lives, ask ourselves these kinds of questions. How can I better live out my Christian life? Why don't I grow more in love with Christ than I do? What is holding me back? Why do I struggle? Why do I feel such conflict within me? Why do I so often feel as though I have failed the Lord in my life? If you ask yourselves these kinds of questions from time to time, in the quietness of your heart and in the solitude of your mind, you're not alone. I doubt there is any of us here today that don't ask ourselves these kinds of questions from time to time. I believe it is crucial in living the gospel-centered life that we know and understand the answers to these questions biblically. That is why in these verses in Galatians 5 and Colossians 3 are so important to us in our Christian life and why they deserve our focus and study today and the application of these truths in our daily walk with the Lord. Here is the how to grow in our love for Christ. Here is the why we suffer setbacks in our lives. Here is the why we feel so much conflict within us. Here in this passage of Scripture is an accurate diagnosis of what is holding us back from growing in our Christian life. The key to living the gospel-centered life is found in the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit that is the active agent in our sanctification. In other words, it is his assigned responsibility to bring about spiritual growth and to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that is at work within us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is the Holy Spirit that is equipping us and enabling us and encouraging us to live our lives to the glory of God each day of our lives. In other words, all of this responsibility to live the gospel-centered life is not just laid at our feet. And in some way, we are expected to live this out in our own strength. No, our help is found in the Holy Spirit of God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, we read these words from our Lord. 
I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. Let us pray. Dear gracious Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that, first of all, Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that we know you because you have revealed yourself to us, that you have first loved us, Lord. You've given us a new heart, Lord. You've given us your spirit to live within us, Lord. We are adopted children of God. We are blessed among all people, Lord God, because we know the true and living God. Father, I pray this morning as we look at these passages of Scripture and as we come together as a body of Christ with so many different dynamics within this family and within this body, Lord, that you would encourage us today by your Spirit, that you would strengthen us today by your Spirit, that, you would, that we would sense your presence every minute of every day of our lives, Lord, that we would live in your power, that we would live, Lord, the gospel-centered life. Father, we ask you that, that you would reveal these truths and plant them in our heart this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are 14 references to the Holy Spirit in the book of Galatians. And they are all found in the last four chapters of the book. They speak of our justification and sanctification as believers in Christ. And let me, for uh, new believers or people that are not familiar with these terms, justification is the day that we came to know Christ in our heart, where by saving faith, we confessed him as our Lord and believed that he died on the cross for our sins. And we committed our lives to love and to serve him above everything and everyone else. We were made right with God by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our salvation. This other word, sanctification, is, is a lifelong walk with God. It is living out this faith that God has given us as a gift each day of our lives, from now until when God calls us home. That's the hard part. That's the part that we are responsible as we walk. And God didn't just leave us to do this on our own. He gave us his spirit to live within us, to help us to live this life to his glory. This should speak to us as a strong message from God's word today as we look into these two passages of scripture of the primary importance of the Holy Spirit in our spiritual growth as believers in Christ. In Galatians 3, verse 2, Paul writes, we have received the Spirit. And in Galatians 3, 3, he says, we have begun in the Spirit and are being perfected by the Spirit. Meaning, we were brought to maturity by the work of the Spirit within us. Galatians 4, 6 says that God has sent forth the Spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Meaning it is the ministry of the Holy Spirit within our hearts to make God real in our lives. And for there to be intimacy in our fellowship with him and to have a true knowledge of him in our hearts and souls. This is a great work that God does in our lives. In Galatians 4 verse 29, Paul writes that we have been born again by the Spirit. In Galatians 5, he writes, we have hope through the Spirit. Verse 16, we walk by the Spirit. Verse 18, we are led by the Spirit. Verse 22, we bear fruit of the Spirit. And in verse 25, we live by the Spirit. Chapter 6, verse 8 says these words. That the one who sows to the Spirit reaps 
from the Spirit. Here compressed in these four chapters of Galatians is a complete theology of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit that lives within us affects our Christian lives. And when we pull all these truths of Scripture together, we are reminded by God of the overarching supremacy of the Holy Spirit in our gospel-centered life. And moreover, the all-sufficiency of the Holy Spirit to carry out these truths day by day. This is how we are supposed to live. You see, the Spirit of God gives us power over sin and condemnation. The Spirit of God gives us eternal hope and the promises that we have in Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us victory over sin, strength to live out our faith day by day. The Holy Spirit gives us confidence and boldness. And and I'd like to stop right here for a minute because this is not some kind of self-help kind of thing where we're going to build ourselves up. Our strength doesn't come within ourselves. It doesn't come in what we do. It comes from being in Christ. Our boldness, our confidence, our hope, our insurance, everything that we have is eternal and it is hidden in Christ. This is very important. Because if we leave, walk away from this message today feeling empowered, we got the wrong message. This power comes from being in Christ. And the spirit of the true and living God living in and through our lives each day. So whether our circumstances are here or they're here, we have this steadfast faith, this steadfast hope, this steadfast assurance that the one who paid our debt on the cross, who lives within our hearts and souls, can give us confidence and boldness and assurance in no matter what circumstances we have in life. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Don't tell me as a believer, God forgot to give me something. He didn't forget to give me nothing. He lives within me. Praise God. We see throughout the scriptures how God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are involved in our salvation. God the Father has purposed and predestined our salvation. God the Son has purchased and secured our salvation. And God the Holy Spirit has enabled and personalized and empowered our salvation. Now that we have looked at the importance of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification or our growth as believers in Christ, let us look at my second point today. Following the outline, point number two, the apostolic command from the Word of God to walk by the Spirit, which is found in verse 16. Paul says to the church of Galatia, but I say, walk by the Spirit. And when Paul says, but I say, he is setting his words in contrast to what the Judaizers were telling the Galatians. You say they were bringing false teaching to the Galatians on how to be right with God and how to live the Christian life. So Paul drives a wedge between their false teaching and the teachings of Christ. That justification, being right with God, comes through faith alone in Christ alone. And the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and all its glorious power conforms the life of the believer into the image of Christ. So we see Paul using his apostolic authority turning the believers away from the false teachings towards the teachings of Christ. He was leading them back to living in the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting solely on the finished work of Christ 
on the cross for their salvation. This gospel-centered life is a supernatural life, and it can only be lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Christian life cannot be lived in the natural. It cannot be lived by walking in the flesh or trying to keep some part of the law or earn some kind of favor or merit with God. No good works or self-righteousness or good moral conduct can ever earn us merit with God. I remember that young boy that I spoke about earlier whom my mom brought me up to be a good young man, to be a man of his word, to be a hard worker, to do what's right. I remember hearing this verse in the car one day as I was driving home from work 12 years ago. And it was from Isaiah 64, 6. And it said that all our good works, everything good that we can possibly do on this earth, if they're not done in Christ, are but filthy rags in the sight of God. And I couldn't understand that. I couldn't understand that until God opened my eyes to see pride, to see that the motive of my heart of why I did these things in my life unfortunately weren't taught to me. I was being taught humanistically to be a good man and to do what's right. But you see, God sent his only son and nailed him on a cross for my sin. How good of a person could I really be outside of Christ? So when I started to look into the things of why I did things and why did I go over and help the lady across the street and why did I go do this and why did I act that way and why did I look a certain way? I seen the motives of the heart weren't to glorify and honor Christ. There was sin in and through it. So this is very important that we understand today that everything we are, everything we are called to be is to be in Christ. All our good works flow from saving faith. Good works do not produce saving faith. Saving faith produces good works. And how you know that faith is genuine? Because it produces good works. Also, dear brothers and sisters, the Christian life cannot be lived by grieving the Holy Spirit with unrepentant sins in our lives. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that lives within us. We all know the feeling. I've walked away from situations. I've done things in my life as a believer. And God just won't let me get away with them. We need to listen to the voice of the Lord. And I'm not talking about standing in the shower and Jesus talking to you. I'm talking when he speaks to your heart. When he presses upon your heart to say, go see that brother over there, he's hurting. Go talk to that sister over there, she's going through things with her son. Put that thing back you took from work, it's not yours. You didn't deserve it. It's not okay. The life that you live in, you're living for my glory not for yours. Holy Spirit speaks to us every day of our lives. It instructs us, it teaches us, it guides us, protects us from ourselves. So I pray that we would be sensitive to the Spirit of God. This is a battle every day of our lives between the flesh and the Spirit that live within us. The natural wants to do the things that are contrary to the things of God. And yet the Spirit that lives within us is greater and as we commit our time in God's word, as God speaks to us, and we pray in God, and we speak to God, and we cultivate this intimate relationship with Christ, those victories become more and more and more in our lives because the Spirit of God is directing us and leading us and teaching us. The Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 5, verse, uh, excuse me, 1 John Chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. This is the message which we have heard from him, Christ, and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, Christ, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ cleanses us from all our sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Christian life must be clothed in the righteousness of Christ and lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. In this passage of Scripture before us, Paul is saying that the Spirit and the flesh are in opposition to one another. There is no middle or neutral ground in our daily walk. If you're not walking in the Spirit, you cannot please God. If you are not walking in the Spirit, you are walking in direct opposition to the Word of God. And as a result of this, there will be no growth in your spiritual walk with the Lord. How can we go on living the Christian life to the glory of God and neglect hearing the truths in God's word concerning walking in the spirit and not claim these truths as our, as our, our, as our own and walk in them and live by them? Why can't we understand that we have been completely forgiven in Christ and have been declared righteous, not through anything that we have done, but through the work of Christ on the cross for us. We must understand that all righteousness has been fulfilled in Christ and has been imputed or accredited to us from him. You see, in God's eyes, and that's all that matters, we are perfect law keepers, beloved children. We are the bride of Christ and clothed in his righteousness. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I fall short of God's glory every single day of my life. I can never forget where God has saved me from, what my life was, how empty, how shallow I was until Christ came into my life. These truths humble me. They bring humility and they fight against my pride and self, self-righteousness. They cause my heart to overflow with gratitude and thankfulness for what God has done for me on the cross for his son. However, we are commanded to walk in the spirit of Christ. We are children of God. His spirit lives within us. I remember a church um, I was going to a few times. A man used to come up to me every time and I say, hey, brother, how you doing? And he always used to say, better than I deserve. Oh, he's, he's right. We are doing better than we deserve. We deserve the wrath of God. But God, by his grace and his mercy, has saved us. He's given us his spirit to live in us. And it's, it was every single time I seen this man, he would say this. So I took a little notice of it, and um, I would see other people walk up to him and say the same thing. And he would say, better than I deserve. So one day, I, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, I need to go speak to this man. And I said, hey, brother, I, every time I notice you're asked how you're doing, you say better than you deserve. I said, well, that's correct. We are doing better than we deserve. But wouldn't it be more edifying to the body of Christ? Wouldn't it be more encouraging to other men and believers that God brings in your path in the church in that day to say, you know, God's been really merciful to me this week. I've been looking at the book of Galatians and I was reading about the spirit of God. It's a time to, 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 to edify the church. It's a time when someone comes to you, how are you doing? Tell them what Jesus is doing in your life. Tell them what the Holy Spirit is living out. How, how God is using you every day. Better than I deserve? Yes. Am I a sinner? Yes. Am I a wretched, wicked, hearted sinner? Yes, I was. But God saved me. He nailed his son on the cross for me. 
He cleansed me from all unrighteousness. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I can't live my life every day with my head down and my tail between my legs. That's not how my Savior wants me to live. He never wants me to forget where he saved me from. He never wants me to forget the great price that was paid for my sin. But he wants me to live out this great gift of salvation, this great work of mercy and grace by the power of the Spirit, because I have been united with his precious Son, Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. Yes, we can never forget the bad news. And the bad news will always cause us to cherish even more the good news. However, this is why we who have been saved by God's grace and mercy should live in what? Newness of life. We are to think, act, react, have relationships, desires, Love differently than those who walk in the flesh and who are of this world. There is a testimony and a result in the transformed life of the sinner by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ into a child of God. We are transformed from the inside out. And as a result of this, there is a new heart which desires to please and honor Christ in every aspect of our lives. Am I religious? No. I don't follow a bunch of man-made rules and regulations. I have a relationship with the true and living God. And he lives within my heart and my soul. And he directs every minute of every day of my life. Living the gospel-centered life is not burdensome. But it's a delight. Living the gospel-centered life is not some code of moral conduct we follow. But it is a supernatural power of the Holy Spirit having the Spirit living within us, producing in our lives intimacy with Christ. When we reflect on our Savior's perfect sinless life on our behalf, the shedding of his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, the grace and the mercy that he lavished upon us, his spirit that indwells us and leads us and is actively helping us to live this life to the glory of God. How, may I ask, can these precious truths, how can this great victory over sin and death, how can the completely finished work of Christ on the cross not impact the way we live out our Christian lives? Please listen to these verses of Scripture as they remind us of the treasure of God's Spirit that lives in every believer. Romans 8, verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. What this verse is saying is that those who belong to Christ have the Holy Spirit within them. Then we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Wow. As believers in Christ who are indwelled by the Spirit of the living God, we are to walk in submission and utter dependence upon the Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading in our lives. Think about how the Spirit speaks to us all the time and leads us through each day of our lives. And when you grieve it, when you grieve unrepentant sin in your life, what does it produce? It produces guilt, shame, joylessness, coldness towards others, and remorse. I mean, it's very easy. I know when I'm not walking in the Spirit. I know when there's sin that I need to confess to God. I'm miserable. You have to be miserable. The Spirit of God is living in you, and it's in opposition to those feelings. 
I know none of us like those feelings. And it's because the Holy Spirit is convicting us that they're wrong and that they're sinful. We need to repent. We need to repent to God and we need to ask forgiveness from others. And on the other hand, if we're walking sensitive to the Spirit in our lives and listening to the voice of God speak to our hearts, there's great joy in our lives that we experience. There's a peace in our soul. There's blessings. And there's boldness in Christ that we experience. And that comes from walking in the Spirit of God. Here's the first question I ask myself when there's a month that goes by that I don't get a chance to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. Lord, is there something in my life I need to repent of? Is there something that I'm grieving in my heart that I need to let go? Because that that boldness is gone. You know, when, when I'm carrying these things in my heart and soul, I don't have the desire to share Christ. I don't have the desire to... To, to be full of his spirit and walking, even though his spirit is in me, it's not being lived out in my life because I'm, I'm suppressing it. I'm grieving it. Why? Because I know there's sin in my heart that needs to be repented of. And I need to experience that forgiveness that only comes from Christ. And I need to experience that reconciliation and brought back into fellowship. That's what I need. And I sense it in my life. So when those times come in your life and you feel as though you're just going through day by day and God is not using you in around people around you, your neighbors at work or whatever it is, first check yourself. First say, is there something in my life that I'm grieving, that I'm holding back, that I'm suppressing? Is there sin in my life? Is there something I'm harboring against another brother or sister or somebody at work? Have I not forgiven somebody in my life? You need to be freed from that. So you can walk in the Spirit and be sensitive to the Spirit in your lives. This is how the Lord wants us to live. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, which we all desire to produce in our lives, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, can only be produced by a believer that is walking in the Holy Spirit. And how visible it is. And how glorious that life is. And what a testimony of a transformed life by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know these people, you see them every Sunday morning. You see them in our Sunday school classes. They're part of your growth groups. They shine. The spirit of Christ is on their face. They love the Savior. They're committed to his word. They have a strong prayer life. Come alongside them. If you're a person who's struggling, person who's who's having a hard time in your walk, this is why we're a body of Christ. Come alongside these people. Pray with them. Have fellowship with them. Have a cup of coffee with them. Be blessed by them. Be encouraged by them. Not better than I deserve, but let's invest some time into their lives and encourage them and, and, and let them see the spirit of Christ and how it's lived out in our lives. Before we move on to the passage in Colossians and my third point, I want to camp out on this one word in this passage of Scripture, the word walk, which is in verse 16. The word walk is being used metaphorically to represent the Christian life. In this walk, there is a beginning point and there, where we are born again, And there is an ending point when we are glorified with Christ and spend eternity with him. And everything between the beginning point and the end point is our spiritual walk with the Lord, which is our practical or progressive sanctification. You may ask, why does Paul represent the Christian life as a walk? Well, first of all, walking requires effort on our part, right? putting one foot in front of another. And so does the gospel-centered life. The Christian life is not walked in a passive way. We are called to be active and to direct our feet towards the narrow gate and to pursue holiness in our lives. Secondly, 
Walking requires making progress and moving forward towards a destination. Not remaining where we once were, but advancing towards a goal. And what is that goal? Spend an eternity with Christ. And so the gospel-centered living is about walking the walk, living the life. We are moving forward in Christ's likeness. Backsliding, I know many people have heard this term. I believe backsliding is not growing because the Bible constantly tells us that we need to be growing in our walk, moving forward, pursuing Christ. And when you're standing in one place, you're not growing. Thirdly, walking means that we have not arrived there yet, that our de- to our destination. The same is true with the Christian life. Every single one of us here today still has much ground to walk as we pursue Christ's likeness, pressing on towards the upward call in Christ. You see, the Christian life is not a series of short sprints. However, it is a faithful, steadfast, day-by-day walk with the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, Walking requires choosing the right path as we are led by the Spirit and directed by the Spirit. All of this is implied in this metaphor, walk. As I conclude my, this point, I would like to tell you that we cannot take one step forward in the Christian life without the Spirit of Christ and the light of the gospel living within our hearts and our souls. Please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. And that's on page 1401 in the Pew Bible. And I want to connect this passage of Scripture in our time remaining today as we consider our union and our allegiance with the Lord Jesus Christ. My third point this morning is the overarching supremacy of the supernatural resurrected life. I believe walking in the spirit and in the power of the resurrection coexist in the gospel-centered life. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit and our union with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection empowers us to live to the glory of God and to keep our minds set on things above. We read in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. For you have died, And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. We see in these verses of Scripture, the Apostle Paul reminding the church at Colossae of the sufficiency of Christ and his atoning work on the cross for all aspects of the Christian life. If we as believers have Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we have everything we need to live a victorious life in him. This life in Christ is a supernatural life. And according to this passage in Colossians 3, we have died, yet we live. We live down on this earth, yet we are to keep seeking the things above. We are hidden in Christ, yet we will be revealed with him. What is Paul trying to tell us in this passage? Well, let us look and see what enables us to live the supernatural life. I want to focus on one central life-changing truth found in verse 1, and it carries over into verse 2. And that is our spiritual resurrection with Christ. Notice how this description begins in verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, or more accurately, 
since you have been raised up with Christ. In other words, since you have been saved, since you have been born again, since you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and are walking in the spirit of Christ. And what we see in this verse is that all true believers have experienced a spiritual resurrection. We have been raised up with the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have experienced this in your life. In Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through 5, we read, Since we have been buried with him, Christ, through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we should be in the likeness of his resurrection. We who, have, who are dead in our trespasses and sins have had a co-resurrection with Christ. It means we have been raised up out of the spiritual grave. We who were enslaved to sin and its power have been set free from the chains that once bound us and condemned us before a just and holy God. We've been raised up with Christ and identified with Christ so we can walk in newness of life. This is what makes us so very different from those around us. Every aspect of our lives should be complete and satisfied in the all-sufficient supernatural power of the spiritual resurrection with Christ. It is Christ that has raised us and calls us to newness of life. I, I, as I was looking at this, I was remembering Pastor Musser, I think it was last week, talking how it is God that raises us up out of the pit. Uh, I think it was Psalm 40. It was God who does the work. We just need to be, we need to be there say, Lord, help, have mercy. Our Lord is faithful and just. This resurrection life is what makes the Christian life so different from other forms of religions and philosophies. Theirs is a natural life. However, our faith, our daily walk with the Lord is supernatural. They simply give instructions. They simply give a code of conduct. They simply give you the do's and don'ts, the works and the practices of man. But we receive the true and living God. He speaks to our hearts and our souls. And his word is truth. The gospel-centered life alone has the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to raise us up with Christ in newness of life. This walk in the spirit and the power of the resurrection is a powerful change from the way we lived our lives before Christ saved us. This is what our union and our co-resurrection with Christ produces in our lives as followers and disciples of Christ. It produces intimacy with Christ. It produces strength in our walk. It makes us unmovable in our faith and our devotion to Christ. It causes us to be eternal-minded, having spiritual eyes, to see through the trials and events of our lives. It's continually seeking to please God in all aspects of our lives, from hearts overflowing with gratitude and thankfulness. It is the supernatural power of the resurrected life that explodes in our hearts and souls and in our lives that causes us to live in such a way that we could never live in our own strength. As we come to my last point in today's message, I want this to become very practical and personal. My question to you is this. How do you view your reflection in the mirror as a child of God? In light of the gospel and in light of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I brought this mirror out today I remembered it was hanging in the um, boiler room downstairs. But this is something that we all look at 
every day of our lives. First thing in the morning and the last thing before we go to bed. This is, this is what we see in the mirror. I have a question for you this morning is this. When we look in that mirror, what do we see? Do we see a filthy, wretched, wicked sinner that can't accomplish anything? It's just being dragged down by all the worries and weights and anxieties and the problems of our lives? Or do we see the grace and the mercy of God that saved us, that lives within us, that purchased us, that shed his blood for us? Do we see one who is valued by God, one who is loved by God? When we look in that mirror, Yes, it should start off with gratitude and thankfulness. When I look in that mirror in the morning, I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blessings that I have in Christ. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Thank you for regenerating me and making me a new creation in Christ. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, how can I serve you today? How would you use me today? Who should I call today, Lord? How can I bless somebody today? How do we view ourselves in light of the gospel? How do we view ourselves in the light of what Christ has done for us? I hope and pray today that as we examine our hearts and our lives and as we look at ourselves in the mirror each day of our lives, that we would live and walk by the Spirit and the power of the resurrection knowing that the Spirit of God lives within us. He equips us. He enables us to live a life for His glory. And I hope and pray that if there are things in our lives that we need to confess and get right with God with, that we do that so we can walk in the Spirit, be sensitive to God speaking in our hearts. We need to understand that the work of the Holy Spirit is in our sanctification. We need to have a proper biblical view of ourselves as we look at our reflection in the mirror each day. It is his perfect obedience. It is his great victory on the cross that has led to our salvation. May we look in that mirror each day and see who we are in Christ. Make sure we don't see the old man in the mirror, but make sure we see the new man in Christ. Thank you.